0: Get started today. I'm so let me just introduce myself. My name is Burl Workman, I'm the CEO of Workman Success Systems. Uh, we're located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're a real estate coaching company that specializes in helping real estate agents team leaders and brokers and owners create massive scale. And what we do, and we, what we do probably better than anybody else in the world, is we help you build a business that supports a lifestyle instead of a business that becomes your lifestyle. Uh, we're all about having great life balance, and we believe you can have it all. We believe you can make a seven-figure real estate income, and you can um, have a great family life, and you can enjoy the things that yeah, you're on this earth to do. And, and it probably isn't just sell more houses. And so we want you to know that there's a way. And and by having the right systems and processes in place, and by creating scale and acting and behaving like the CEO of your company, it changes the way you look at the world. You know, we're going to deal with a pretty, uh, uh, like a pretty hairy topic today. We're going to deal with the class action lawsuit. But before I get into the class action lawsuit, I first want to say that this is a big challenge but it pales in comparison to some of the challenges that people around the world are going through. And while this is a big deal to us, we don't have, uh, fighters on our doorsteps, people are, that don't hate us, that aren't going into our into our villages and into our cities and, and destroying us. And my heart goes out to the people in the Ukraine and in Israel and in the Palestine and all of the places where there's conflict right now. And I just want them to know that we're thinking of them. If you have family members or friends or your faith is aligned with any of these groups that is being attacked, I just want you to know that we're thinking about you. And as we celebrate the holiday season, I can't imagine what it would be like to not have some of my family here or to be worried about their safety. So I'm grateful I live in a, in, a, in a country where we have the freedoms that we have and we're able to do what we choose to do. And so as we talk about um, the class action lawsuit, um, a lot of people are wondering what to do. And this, um, this thread in the marketplace is real. It's not something that is going to go away. And just in the last week, there's been six or seven more cities that have been uh, new class actions have opened up. Their copycat lawsuits are being introduced every single day, and there's tremendous turmoil in the industry. And what's happening is, is that our consumers are hearing it, and they're wondering what 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 that means for them. As real estate agents, I don't know if you saw this, but NAR announced six thousand agents left the business last month, biggest number in a month since. Um, since 2008. So there, there there's going to be a lot of real estate agents that don't know how to offer and show their value that are not going to be able to continue to stay in the business place. And while I don't wish any of them uh, any harm, I think it opens tremendous amount of opportunity to uh, those of us who continue to stay in real estate. I don't believe that, that threats are anything more than opportunities to message differently to the marketplace and to establish our real value. And so as you hear me talk about this today, I'm going to talk about the advantage of the class action lawsuit. And how many of you have thought of it as an advantage? Has anybody actually had that emotion that, oh, this is an advantage to me. I'm going to learn how to message differently. Love that. Darren Hiram. Uh, she'll love you raising your hands. Jessica Good. Well, I'm going to talk about how do we do that. Instead of just saying it's an advantage, I first want to set the stage up. You know, our courtrooms are going to be filled for a while and for, uh, for quite a while with uh, not only copycat lawsuits, but the appeals process. Everybody has opinions what is going to happen in this process. And I'll tell you that... Um, I'll share my opinions with you as we go through this, and they're just my opinions, and you can form your own opinions based on the information you get. But this is what the consumer's seeing. So you turn on the news, you turn on any of it, you read any of the rags, whether it's Fox News or CNN or you watch CNBC or even the BBC, there's been reports on this $1.8 billion verdict and the clock ticking on the 6% real estate commission as a norm. Uh, Americans feel like they were taxed $60 billion in real estate commissions and the prices that they paid for their houses. Uh, home sellers win, how real estate brokerage uh, ruling could impact buyers and sellers, what's going to happen. Um, all, of this, all of this news is out there and it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to intensify. And what it does for most people is it makes them question what they should do and whether or not they should even pay commissions. And what's going to happen, I believe, is a couple of things. Number one, is I believe that if you have been poor at selling your value up till now, meaning you haven't been able to collect commissions for the services you buy, it's going to be much harder going forward. If you've been good at that up till now, you're going to continue to be just fine. In the absence of value, you're going to find that price is going to always be the objection. And I don't think that most agents do the wrong thing. I think that most agents do the right thing. I don't believe that they collude with each other. I've never had a conversation with another realtor about commissions and what we should charge. Um, the consumers, you know, there's a lot of brokerages out there, and I won't, I won't use brands because I don't think it's fair to put people in classes, um, but there's a lot of brokerages out there where the agents have been taught that when someone says, can you give me a discount on the commission, they say, my broker won't let me. And so they act like employees who have been told what to do. And that dialogue is a lot of the dialogue that's caused the problem. The other dialogue is, is you don't have to pay me the seller pays commission without saying the seller pays commission and it could impact the sales price of the house because the seller puts that into consideration when they establish their price on what their net's going to be when they they sell the home. And so by adding a couple of disclosures and uh, communicating a little bit differently, I firmly believe that we're going to have the opportunity to get paid for the services that we offer and that the great agents, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great weeding out of people who probably um, shouldn't been in the business to begin with. The barrier to entry to be in real estate. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You know, when I got my real estate license, I was, I just, I just closed my retail stores. I had it for about eight years. I went out of business during my going out of business. So I sold a home builder, some home theaters, and he talked me into coming selling houses for him after I closed my store. And I went and got my real estate license. I did 10 days. I went to school for 10 days, 90 hours. And in 10 days, went and sat the test, passed, got my license, and I'm now a realtor. What do you think I knew about being a great real estate agent after 10 days? (laughs) You guys are right? I knew squat. I didn't know anything. The same time I did that, my wife's little sister moved in with us because she wanted to be on her own. Now, I just want you to think about that concept. Getting away from her parents and moving in with your big sister is not being on your own, but she moved in with us because she wanted to be her own. She started hair school at the same time I started to get my real estate license. It took her 2000 hours and a year and a half later, she graduated and could cut my hair. Think about the, think about what this means. Like it just doesn't make any sense, right? In 10 days, I'm selling houses. I had no idea what I was doing. And a year and a half, she could cut my hair and I still don't let her cut my hair. And so what's, what's interesting is the barrier to entry to coming into real estate has been so low that anybody could come into real estate. And most people just did it so they could save the commission on their own transactions or because they wanted to be an investor and they thought that the little bit of information that they learned would help them with that. And so I think that the barrier to entry is gonna to continue to raise and we're gonna attract more and more high quality business people in the in the real estate market. Another ramification of this lawsuit, in my opinion, is that it's, With the downward pressure on commissions, and there will be absolutely more downward pressure on commissions, it's gonna require us to do more for less. And in order to make the same money we've made in the past, we're gonna have to sell more transactions in order to be able to do that. And the age of the individual realtor that does it all themselves, is going to be very, very few. And you're going to see a mass emergence of high-performing teams that do a great job because people want a better life. They don't want to be married to their real estate business. And if you have to do more houses and you have to do buyer sellers and admin work, you do it at the expense of the other things that matter more in your life, like your family, your faith, your friends, your fun, and your fitness. And so I think that we're going to see more and more businesses emerge that are run like businesses. High volume, very efficient with great programs that can offer more services to the client and are able to do it effectively. So those are some things. Uh, Those are just some of my thoughts. Um, Another thing I'm gonna tell you is that the consumer feels like this. This is somebody who has emotional trepidation. They have pain, they wanna sell their home. People, um, if you remember back in COVID, I don't know if you were part of the Workman Group or you listened to the webinars we did during COVID, but everybody talked about how you had to shift And I thought, that's a pivot, pivot. I hated that dialogue because when I think of a pivot, I think of basketball. I'm a big Utah Jazz fan, although they're not doing very good this year. Um, And uh, when you think about pivoting, what happens is when you're dribbling the basketball and you stop dribbling, you can now pivot, which means you have to plant one foot and the other foot can spin around in a circle, but you can no longer make any progress. So the concept of pivoting means stop dribbling, plant a foot and spin around in circles. I I hate that concept. Like I remember clearly saying that we got to keep bouncing. You got to keep the dribble going. You can't just stop and pivot. What you have to do is you got to build for the bounce. Because I believe that the life events that occur that cause people to move don't stop because of a pandemic, because of rising interest rates or because of a class action lawsuit. People move. People move. Because they get married, they get divorced, they upsize, they downsize, they get relocated, they get a new job, they they drive, they, they, they want to have their kids play sports in a different area. There's so many reasons people move, and we are not part of the reason. Nobody moves because of commission. Nobody moves because of the realtor. Nobody moves because of the association, and nobody moves because of Zillow. People move because of the life events that happen in their lives that cause the move to take place. What we are is we are a tool in the process and we have to make a determination that we want to be the sharpest tool in the box. We want to be the one they choose because we have the highest level of skills to be able to help them to move forward. Does that make sense? Okay. So emotional intelligence is a fascinating topic. How many of you have done any study or uh, research or done any work in emotional intelligence? Is anybody done any work like that? Okay. So Darren, Oh, several of you have. I think that's great. This is an emotional intelligence wheel. And we've got a couple of friends that have been working with and training our coaches at Workman Success Systems on helping us become better and more emotionally intelligent. What I what I every time I do an assessment, my wife reminds me how little emotional intelligence I actually have and all the areas I can improve. I think that it's really true. So it's okay. Mara, don't be sad. But when you look at my emotional intelligence wheel, I want you to look at the negative emotions, fear anger and sadness. And if you start at the inside of the wheel, if somebody is feeling fear, then those emotions move outward. They move into scared, terrified, insecure, nervous, and horrified. This is where the consumer is today. And then if you move out one more time, they have they're frightened, helpless, panic, hysterical, in fear, inadequate, worried, anxious, mortified, and dreadful. All of those emotions are being played upon by the media. And so they're causing that by the way they report on what's going on in the industry. And when people have a negative emotion, it causes them to pull back. Even though they have life events that occur that cause them to move. What's happening right now in the industry, because of higher interest rates, because of the economic slowdowns and class action lawsuits and the wars that are happening in the world, is that people have fear and anger and sadness. And with those negative emotions, it's caused them to pause. But that has not stopped the unbelievable uh, flow of people whose life events are causing them to move. And there's going to be a mass bounce that happens as the world kind of gets right with these things. And the agents that are in a position to be able to be a skilled-based agent, to put themselves in a position of real expertise to help these people move, are going to dominate in the marketplace. And the beauty of this is, is you get to choose who you are. Um, A lot of agents have these same emotions, fear, anger, and sadness too. And they're the ones that are exiting the business or they're resentful or they're jealous or they're depressed or they're getting out. And we're seeing it every single day. So just some thoughts on that. So what we've done is we've taken emotional intelligence languaging, I call it EI, combined it with AI and professional writers, and we've created messaging to message to the marketplace to put you in a position to be able to take advantage of, uh, the opportunities that exist because of the class action lawsuit. So by understanding what it is, by using emotional languaging and the right scripting, I'm going to give you some tools today and some resources that you can download. I'm just going to give them to you that you can then use to help set you and position you in the right place. You guys cool with that? How many of you are excited about, well, you want some stuff? I want some good stuff, Big V. All right. It's my Christmas gift. All right. You heard me say earlier that in the, in the absence of value, price will always be the objection. That is always the truth. Uh, whatever we're doing from a, whenever we're, whenever we are negotiating, when we don't feel there's value, we always push down on price. It doesn't matter if it's cars or houses or whatever it is, when you don't find value, you always look for a better deal. I negotiate just because it's in my DNA. I remember being in a, a third world country and we were on a cruise, you know, have a cruise ship stop at some of these places and we had gotten out and and we're looking around. They put all these big markets where they have hats and scarves and art and all of these things. And I remember um, there had just been a recent hurricane that was devastating to the people in this area. And and they had all their goods out there. And they were selling there. there. weren't a lot of shoppers or tourists there. And my, um, somebody tells me their price of something. It was like $20. I'm like, well, could you do it for 18 My wife kicked me in the shin. She says $2 doesn't matter anything to you but it matters everything to them. Why are you negotiating? And it, it dawned on me that it's just cuz who it's just how I'm what it's just the game. I love the game. And I went back and took care of people but I just think I just think you know my wife is my conscience. Can you tell more that she keeps me on the straight and narrow, makes me do the right thing. Um I got lucky. I'll tell you that. I had to get her when she was really young before she figured out this wasn't a good deal for her. <laughs> Um, In the absence of value, price will be the objection. There's three things, and you should all write this down. There's three things everybody wants when they make a major buying decision. The first thing we all want is we all want the best price. The second thing we want is we want a high-quality product. And the third thing we're all looking for is great service. Price, quality, and service. Please name one thing where you get all three. Highest quality, best service, cheapest thing you can get. Ooh. Okay. Uh let's do cars. Cheap. Uh Yugo. Were they cheap? High quality? Oh nope, great, great. They're out of business. Okay. Um Mercedes. High quality product? But well well built? Are they safe? They have great service? Cheapest car you can buy? What is Nordstrom famous for? They have good quality products there. Have you ever had a problem taking something back you bought at Nordstrom? Unbelievable service. Are they the cheapest place you can shop? Isn't it interesting you can almost always get two of the three? If the lowest priced agent is what you're looking for, which of the other two are you willing to give up to get them? The quality of the agent or the services they provide? You will find in almost every case, nobody wants poor representation by having a low quality agent and nobody wants bad services that don't get their property sold. And so they are all willing to pay the price if you give the services that match. Does that make sense? The problem is we haven't had to in the last few years. All you do is show up, fog a mirror, and you, you could sell a house. And so the consumer just didn't find value in the relationship. Excuse me. Okay, so let's talk about that. So here we are at a crossroads in our real estate careers where we have a choice to make. And we can choose to go down one path, and we can jump on the bad of a bunch of whiners who are whining about the stuff going on in the industry. Or we can choose to put ourselves in a different light in the eyes of the consumer. The day, and so I'm a big Brian Buffini fan. I've always been a fan of what Brian teaches about uh, having relationships and dropping by with items of value. I think that it's time to move on from a jar of jam to actually giving something of value that separates and puts you in a position of expertise with the consumer. So continue doing the doing the steps and the activities that get. That keep you in front of the mind of the consumer, but let's make sure we're offering things of value. We have to start selling our systems instead of our commission. The systems that we use need to have proprietary names. Is our recording running? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we're recording it. And thank you for answering that. Okay. It's selling our systems instead of your commission. When you have proprietary names and you give your, your systems names, our Cleve Gaddish uses his home selling system, his sure home selling method, his sure home buying method, his sure investment system. He has names for all of his systems. They might be the same system as yours, but he names them better. And so by putting names to proprietary systems, it gives you an advantage where you're communicating the value of the services you provide. Whoops. That's not what I wanted to have happen. Let me go to the next slide here. Okay. Um, when you think about the difference, Between the average and exceptional, there's a very thin line that separates them. How many of you know exceptional people that don't make much money? They get average results. I know lots of people that are just brilliant, but they don't, they don't, they, they lack something that makes them any money. How many of you know some pretty average people that make a ton of money? They're pretty average people. What do you think the difference is between average and exceptional? What do you think that thin line represents? You can go in the chat or you can come off mute and tell me, what is the difference between average and exceptional? What is the thin line that separates the great? Activity. Activity is a big one, yep. Darren, what else? Actions, commitment, love those. I haven't heard the one I'm looking for. Drive, Carrie says, those are all very good. Okay, are you ready? It's accountability. It's the choice to hold themselves accountable to the commitments they make. How many of you, if I were to ask you to close your eyes and think of something that you know you should do but you don't, can identify at least one thing? (laughs) My hands up on this. (laughs) Go to the gym every day. Stop eating carbs. (laughs) Like I got a list of things that I know I should do but I just don't. The difference between average and exceptional is they choose accountability and they go through a process of seeing a problem, owning the problem, whose problem is it? It's my problem, solving the problem and doing the activities to move them above the line. In the book, The Oz Principle, they use the, the characters of the Wizard of Oz to go through this journey. And basically when they get to Oz, Oz tells them you already had the courage, you already had a brain, you already had a heart, and you already had the ability to go to, to go back to Kansas but you weren't weren't applying yourself and you were looking for somebody else to give you something you already owned. The difference between average and exceptional is accountability. And it's not something I can do to you. Hiram, I can't make you do anything. Especially if you're from the island, you pretty much do whatever you want at the speed you want to do it. That's right, we're hanging out right? You have to choose it. If you're going to do it, you got to choose it. If you don't choose it, it isn't going to happen. Even though I'm a good coach, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. I'm looking at Sheila right here. I don't even dare making Sheila do something she doesn't want to do. Like Sheila, if you don't want to do it, you're going to just, you're going to do what you choose. So this whole concept of hiring a coach that holds you accountable is a myth. All a coach does is create an environment where you choose accountability. And then they ask you if you're, making the, if you're keeping the commitments that you made to yourself. Accountability is integrity with yourself. It's not something someone does to you. So when you see someone who's average getting exceptional results, it's because they've chosen to do the activities you've chosen not to do. It's not because they know more, and it certainly isn't because they're better. I think we're all sons and daughters of God. I don't think God makes mistakes, and that means we all have the potential to have and do and become anything we choose in this world. And so, if you really believe that you really have unlimited potential, then why aren't we living up to it? And it's because of accountability, as we haven't chosen the accountability. So, here's kind of the market that we've been in. Uh, one of our master coaches at Workman, we have about, we have almost 100 coaches, and our coaches are all high performer team, performing team leaders and brokers and owners. They do a phenomenal job. Mike Coates, one of my master coaches, and he runs a team out in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And Mike shared with all of our coaches on a coach training call his concept of why people are struggling today. And I'm going to share this with you and see if this resonates. Um, in the past, if you are really good plan at planning, you can do a detailed plan of action, a really good business plan. And with moderate skills and the right actions executing you plan, you're able to do a certain amount of transactions. Really well planned out and well executed plans get predictable results. Hungry rookies, the new people that have come in the business, and I, I consider a rookie anyone who came in the business after 2010. It means you haven't been through a hard market yet. You don't know what it's like to have to scrape and how to fight and how to really prospect and how to deal with FSBOs and expireds and notices of default and short sells and all of the things that we've had to deal with over time. Uh, um, the hungry rookie came in, and in the last 10 years, they haven't had to really scrape. They've worked, and they've done some things, but it was really action-based. If they showed up, they sold houses. If they went to open houses, they sold houses. It was by positive action that created the results. They had limited skills and a limited plan, but there was plenty of activity, and if you were active, you were productive. The higher performers, the ones that are consistent and have fewer peaks and valleys, they have higher level of skills because they've seen it all. They've been through it all. They're not faced by tough transactions. They've seen it all. How anyone been in business more than 15 years? Do you have any real experienced agents on this call? 10 or 15 years? Look, Jason, you know what I'm talking about that, right? Jason, you, like? can I surprise you like in real estate? <laughs> He's like, no way. There's no way. Colleen's been in, 20, in 21 years. H- here's the thing. Because of our failures, we've become excellent. Because we've screwed up deals, because we haven't disclosed something, because we didn't pay attention to something, the, the, because of all the things we've messed up, because of our failures, we've become resilient and strong. And because of that, we have massive skills. This skills-based market is what we're in right now. Here's the average agent. So the average agent, the agents that are getting out of real estate, they can't figure out what to do. They've been in the business. They've made two, three 300000 the last couple of years, and all of a sudden, they're not making that money anymore, and they don't know what the crap to do. And so they don't know what to focus on. They have limited action. They have moderate skills because they've sold a few transactions, and they don't have a well-executed business plan. And so they have this massive void that used to be filled with activity that created house sales. And now it's being filled with what I call fake work. And that's the pretending of being busy without actually doing anything that moves you to your goals. Now, let me show you some numbers that we track. We track everything, by the way. So we track in 2019, it took 170, 167 calls to have a closing. In 2020, it was 134. By 2021, it was all the way down to 127 calls because it was easier. By 2022, it went right back to 165 calls, and this year it's 222. And a lot of people are trying to figure out, I'm doing the same thing I've always done, but I'm not getting the same result. Well, guess what? You can't. What you were doing a year ago and two years ago doesn't work today. You need to do way more in order to get the same transaction closed. Isn't that interesting? So we track dials, conversations, appointments set, appointments met. We track everything on hundreds and hundreds of people, and we get predictable results. We know what it takes to be successful. And once you have the roadmap, you just duplicate those activities. It's just a fascinating concept. So we've moved from activity-based market to a skills-based market. The consumer doesn't want any agent that can open a door. They want an agent who actually understands what's going on in the marketplace and how to put them in the best position to win in a negotiation, whether they're a buyer or a seller. And so our job as realtors is to put our clients in the best position to make the decision that's right for their family. And that's our job. It's not to make them move. We don't make people move. All right. And so it's skills-based training. So we do skills-based training. So we build programs like Rising Agent Mastery, we have programs like Buyer Agent Mastery, which is zero to two transactions a month. We have Listing Agent Mastery. By the way, if you're working on trying to figure out how to grow your business right now or hey, improve your skills, then just go in and jump into one of, our, one, of our, one of our courses and just go through it. Go through Listing Agent Mastery. We didn't, even, we didn't even let you participate unless you sold 200 houses a year and listed 200 houses a year in SLAM. And so if you're listing 200 houses a year, I want to know what you're doing. If you're not, go through my program because those are the people who did it. And then just follow the systems that they use. What do they do before, during, and after the listing? How do they negotiate? What do they do with compensation? What's the premium marketing plan? How do they do a pre-listing uh, agreement? So that the, it's a, it's a, it's a one-call close instead of a two-call close. There's all of these things that happen in SLAM. And I just encourage you to go through it. Now is the time to sharpen your saw, to get your skills at a level where they've never been before. And so find someone doing it better than you and get into the system and then copy them. AMP is our admin training. And so I just want you to know that training's available. And we didn't build it to sell it. I built it because we're coaching team leaders that are hiring buyers, agents, listing partners, and admins. And we needed to have training available because the team leaders don't have it built. And so we did it to support the teams we're coaching, not to sell it. Um, I'm making it available because I think people need the skills and they need to be able to have help. And it costs a ton of money to build training like that. And so most agents are priced out of the market of having access to really good training. The other thing you'll notice about any workman training is I don't get it approved for CE classes. You want to know why? Because I'm teaching you how to be great at the business. And I'm not teaching you not how to get sued. I'm going to let your boards of realtors and your brokers do that. And if I put language in there that teaches you how to sell or teaches you how to close more transactions or overcome objections, a lot of states will disapprove it and not be, it won't be CE credit. So I just don't do it. I just don't do it. We're teaching you how to build a business and how to build a very effective one. How many of you believe there's another level you could perform at? Like there's another level. How many of you believe that there's another level? Anybody interested in going there? Like, would you really like to go to that next stratosphere? Okay, if you really want that, uh, Darren, and I, man, man, we're dancing to the next level. We're not just going to go there. we're going to go there with some style. Um, you have to understand that you can't get there doing what you've done because you've gotten to where you are. Now we have to change. You know uh, My coach helped me really see things differently, and that is this. He, he said, you know at a million dollars in revenue, your business has certain systems. But to go to a million to five million, you have to break the million dollar systems and you have to incorporate five million dollar systems and thinking. You have to think more strategically. You have to execute your plan. You have to have better CRM. You have to have better accounting. And to go from five million to 10 million, you have to break all your systems again and you have to operate at a different level. The same thing is true in real estate. As an individual agent doing a certain amount of transactions, we have to look at what you have going on and we have to break those things down and then we go up into the next level. And then we, and that's what we do in coaching is we just help you figure that out. We identify the gaps and we look at the systems you have. A lot of you have the systems you need, but you don't use them or you don't use the power of the systems at the next level. You use them at the basic level. Does that make sense? There's a lot of power tools in, in companies like KV Core, in Boomtown, in Sync, and Red X. Uh, but the people use the basic fundamentals, but when you start using the advanced level stuff, it opens up a whole new world to you. So agents are looking for clear leadership. They're looking for direction and looking for help. Um, I'm going to talk real specifically for the next few minutes about the class action advantage. And I'll give you a link where you can download some stuff and get access to our systems. Okay. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to give everybody 30 day access to my ramp program, which is our raising agent mastery. uh, just for being here today. So if you're on this call and you're hearing me talk about it, I'm going to give you a QR code. I'm just going to give it to you. Like I've learned that if I just give you everything, you'll copy everything except the hard work to be successful. And so Um, show me that you're not that person that just takes it and doesn't do the work, do the work and raise your hand and say, I need a coach. Let's go. I We we decided a few years ago that we're going to stop really trying to sell coaching and talk people into it. What I've learned is if I have to talk you into it, you're a nightmare as a client. But if you come into it because you really want help and you really want to change and you really want to grow, let's go. Right. If, if, if it has to be talked into, then it doesn't seem to work for us. So, And I hope you found that, that selling style refreshing and you use it in your own. Like if you have to talk someone into moving, they probably shouldn't be moving, right? <laughs> like that's not our job. Our job is to when they make a decision to move, help them the best we can. So let's get into this. So let's talk about the class action advantage. So what we've done is using, um, using uh, emotional intelligence, we've created a story about an agent who is feeling frustrated because of what's going on with the uh, class action system. And as we go through the story, we talk about the feelings and emotion, all disparity that they feel. And then we get a fact sheet. And in the fact sheet, we talk about the specific things that have gone on to give you the knowledge of what's going on in the marketplace. This looks like a real estate agent who's concerned. It's a great photo. So now let's talk about what's happening in the class action lawsuits. There's been inflated costs. Agents have been found guilty. Uh, The industry at whole has been found guilty. There's more lawsuits coming. And what are the potential outcomes as a result of that? So the first thing that we have to do is I'm going to give you some very specific actionable items that you could focus on and do. And I think that the, the key words for today are adjust and disclose. We have to adjust the way we've been doing things and we have to disclose at a higher level um, how everybody gets paid in a transaction. And if you um, are already doing that, good for you. If you're not doing it, then it's time to do it at a higher level. I found that over there's no such thing as over-disclosure. By really describing how commissions work to your, your buyer or seller, I've never lost a client by really describing it. They actually appreciate the honesty and integrity that happens when you do that. Um, Here's some things that we can do. Number one, real estate professionals, as in decade pass, should continue to avoid any discussion of commission rates between firms. Like we don't talk or price fix. That's what a lot of this is about. And and just so you know, I don't think most of us do. Like I don't have any, how many of you, I don't ever do that. Do you ever have conversations with other realtors about what you charge? It's just something we don't do. And so it's part of our code of ethics. We don't do it. We have to continue and start making um, it clear to the consumer that all fees in real estate are negotiable, just like the buying and selling of a house. Everything is negotiable. You can always make lowball offers on properties. It doesn't mean they're going to accept it. You can always make a lowball offer to your realtor as well, and they can choose to do business with you or not. We choose to provide more services rather than lower our price, and here's the price, and whatever your fee is, is up to you. And so we give more services rather than discount price. I want to give them so much services that price is no longer the objection. Does that make sense? Okay, when compensation for a buyer's agent is offered by the seller or the listing agent, the buyer's agent should make it really clear to the buyer that it might affect the sales price at the home. And the way you simply do that is, Um, because the seller's offering commission, there's a good chance that they've priced the home accordingly to be able to afford to pay that. So when they do their seller's net sheet, the commission comes out and that's what they're selling the house for. Oh, like, is that hard to say? Like, that's what they've always done anyway. They do a seller's net sheet. We look at what it's going to cost. We put your your commissions. We put our title costs, our escrow, taxes, prepaids, all those things in a deal. We do a seller's net sheet. We give them their net. Now we just have to disclose it to the buyer. that The seller took into consideration the fact that they're offering a buyer-agent commission, and that probably affected what they're going to sell their house for by whatever they're paying a buyer's agent commission. In this case, it happens to be our number, whatever that is, right? Okay. Um, avoid steering your clients. This is kind of a... I'm going to... When I started talking about COVID, I left my train of thought, but we decided during COVID as a company that we were going to stop selling and start serving and that the industry needed help, that there was a lot of turmoil going on. And so we decided that we were going to serve regardless of opportunity. And we created programs like how to master virtual real estate, how to do virtual open houses, how to keep your clients safe in the middle of a pandemic. And we created all these tools and systems and products. And then we gave it to everybody. I think I gave, I'm sure April, we did 100 free webinars in the first 60 days. If anybody would have us, we would do it because we wanted to serve. What I learned was, is that by serving the industry, our business grew instead of selling. And if you'll take the same attitude towards your clients and you serve regardless of opportunity, your business will grow and the money will take care of itself. It's a cool concept. And I've proven it over and over and over again that serving regardless of opportunity. So you have to avoid steering your, way from, steer your clients away from lower compensation properties. I was just on a webinar earlier today, and they've got properties on the MLS now that have zero buyer agency commission. So do you not show those houses? The answer is if it's the right house for the client, you show it. And then you discuss with the client how you're going to get paid in the transaction. You just have to disclose it. But you don't not put the right house in front of the client. We have a responsibility to put them in the right home. And so um, explain that uh, properties where the seller isn't paying full commission rate require you to get paid. And there's different ways to do it. And more and more mortgage companies are adding um, the ability for the buyer agent to put the commission side on the on the on the mortgage anyway, and so it 's getting easier and easier to do and you 're going to find that to become more standard as that becomes wherever the commission is it'll get added to the transaction and it 'll be able to be handled on the settlement statement and the client 's not going to have to come up with cash. I think that the fear of disclosure is is that people have to come up with cash and if they don 't have the cash you 're going to go without representation and that flies in the face of everything that means that all of the all of the people who are most likely in need of representation won't be able to afford representation and that just doesn't work. The underserved markets and the underserved communities need representation because this they're moving into a place where they don't have the education, they haven't been taught about real estate in their lives and they need someone who represents them. And so we will figure it out as a country. I know that we will because we're not going to let the underserved communities and the underserved markets go without representation. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. That's my soapbox. Okay, a few other action. Be really clear with buyers about expectations of compensation. We believe the best way to do that is just like you do a listing presentation. Do a buyer presentation. You should have a buyer presentation book. You talk about the services you provide, the different ways you get paid, and you go through that presentation. Then they sign the agreement. Uh, we need to improve. This is a big one. This is a role. This is we really need to improve the communication of agents on both the buyer side and the seller side, and we have to do better at elevating each other. As, an, as, a, as agents, we have to do better at elevating the industry. I think real estate agents, um, <clears throat> a lot of them, especially the ones that do less than five or six transactions a year, don't know how to share value. And so they slam their competition feeling like it makes them look better. And the opposite is the case when we attack agents on other sides of transactions and we attack different brokerages or whatever, what happens is that we lose ground and the whole industry suffers as a result. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've learned in our network, so we have all these high performing teams, team leaders, and team members. And um, when they get together as a community, uh, what I've noticed is, is they, they begin to form bonds and you start to see them, uh, look for ways to work with each other, to refer business to each other, to do transactions with each other because there's a higher standard that they operate at. And I think it should be that way across the entire industry. When someone says I'm a realtor or I'm a you know you know I'm with a certain brokerage or brand, you should say, oh, that's awesome. As a real estate agent, I know we have the ability to do the right thing for our clients and let's elevate each other. And if we have a disagreement with another agent, if I have a problem with Sheila, I'm not going to talk about it with my buyer or seller. I'm going to call Sheila and say, Sheila, you know, the way that we're communicating this transaction feels confrontational. Neither one of our clients are going to win. How can we work better? How could, what can I do better to, to make the communication style in a way that the clients win in this scenario? Cause we both, neither one of us get paid if we don't do the right thing for our clients. And so it's not confrontational. We are both advocates for our clients doing the best that we can. And I really believe that it's time to elevate the industry how do you guys feel about like like as an industry choosing to elevate each other in this process and let's start building each other up instead of tearing each other down jason are you ready for it just give me a nod man i know you're driving good <laughs> i don't want you to don't want you to pull over or see sirens in the background the next one is this agents that have higher training and skills that have certifications and designations um, are going to be able to command higher fees if they know how to position that as a value proposition. Um, for example, you know, a CRS means something. When you have accredited buyers represented, it means something. When you're a certified real team leader, it means something. Another thing is, um, you know, if you want to work with seniors to get certifications, that put you in a position of being an expert, working with seniors or with veterans or with, or with new construction. The better you become educated and specialize in real estate, the more value you'll be able to, 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 the more you'll be able to charge for your services, the more value you'll be able to deliver to your clients. You know, I, I went and had back surgery a couple of years ago and I didn't go to a general practitioner. Anybody want to know why? No, because that's scary. You're messing with my nerves and my spine. I want Tiger Woods back, doctor. I want the guy who did Tiger. And so I, I, I moved the world to get an appointment again with him because all he does is back surgery and he does it better than anybody else in the world. And I want that guy. I want them to think about you like that. What is your specialty? What is the thing that is your back surgery, brain surgery? What is it your specialty is? Instead of being a generalist, the, the world of specialization is, is, has been upon us for a long time, and we've been slow to adopt it in real estate. We like to say to our clients, hey, when you hire me, you get me. Well, guess what? That makes you sound like a small player. When you hire me, you get my team. I have a specialist in transaction management. I have a listing specialist. I have a negotiation specialist. I'm a specialist in new construction. I'm a specialist in business development. I'm a spe- specialist in negotiation. It's time to specialize and then to elevate your value with the specializations in the marketplace. you serve. hey, sorry. does this make sense? Like, as I'm talking about it, does it just like, are you like, yeah, world well, that makes sense? Or are you like, this guy's nuts? It's okay. I, I'll, I'll take it either way. Um, buyer's agents need to take more of a listing presentation approach in order to be able to do that. Um, okay, so let me give you, so the class action advantage, here's what's in the, here's what's in the story. So this is what the story looks like. So you're going to go through, you're going to read the story. What I want you to do is when you get this and you download it, I want you to sit with somebody and I want you to read it out loud and read the story and listen for the emotional language, the emotional triggers, the emotional intelligence language and how we dissolved it. At the end of the story, I'm then going to give you the fact sheet. The fact sheets are two pages. I have 20 pages. We study this stuff, and I've got all this data, and I grab the highlights of what's happened to date as a result of the class action lawsuit. And so this tells you where it started, what the result was, what's happening, where we are on appeal. We add to this all the time. And so this is going to be something that continues to improve and continues to change as we get more and more data and information. My full disclosure is is that this is the best information we have available to us right now. You should do your own research, but make sure you um, read through this because it gives you lots of information there. And then we've created a script, a script for a seller and an agent. When the seller says, I've heard the entire real estate agent was found guilty, scamming the sellers in court, and then they're making you pay. We'll give you a script on how to deal with that um, and what to say. And we've given you all the way through the entire class action advantage and how to separate yourself. And then for those of you that work with buyers and representing buyers agents, we've created a very specific script using emotional language to put yourself in the shoes of the buyer and seller to understand where they're coming from and then move them from fear or anger to um, optimism and hope moving forward. As you'll see, as we take them through that, you'll see that it's a, um, it's a very cool process. You guys want all this stuff? Will you use it? I'm going to give it to you more if you use it. So she's like a big nod. Okay. Megan says yes. Colleen. Every time I see Colleen's name, my wife's name's Colleen. Only with one L. All right. And then for our coaching clients, we've created very specific assignments on how to use the system, the class action advantage in your social media posts and how to market with it. I'm going to give you this as well. I'm going to give you the whole system. And so this is exactly what I want you to do from an assignments perspective and how we coach to the system. Fair enough? And so... Um, let me pause for just a minute, and um, here let me give you let me give you right now. It's gonna be fun to see what else is in this talk. Here's where you can download it. So everybody, and I'm also gonna give you 30 days of our Rising Agent Mastery Program. And so by going through and downloading this, this is gonna give you access to our whole training center, and we're gonna open up Ramp, which is zero to two transactions, increasing your production by two transactions a month in the next 100 days. And it's very, very good. Just go through it and do it. So everybody grab the QR code, download it, use it. For those of you that are on Facebook or in chat, we're posting those links right now. And April, you're probably on Facebook Live and you can pull up any questions. I want to open up the call to any questions that anybody has. I'm going to talk a little bit about our culture and I'm going to talk about how we develop how we develop going forward. Okay. So before I move on from the Class Action Advantage, do any of you have any questions or comments or things that you would like me to address that I haven't addressed about the Class Action Lawsuit and how we're feeling about it? And you can type them in if you're not on video. And April, if you have any questions coming in off the live stream, you can ask me those, type them in the chat. Thumbs up is we're good. Okay, so every business... Every family, every life has a culture and the culture is either accidentally created or it's intentionally created. And in order to survive going forward, I believe that we have to change our culture to a culture of productivity. If you were to define your personal culture as it relates to real estate right now, what would your culture be? Here's a way to to answer that question. If I were to break your day down in 30-minute increments, what percent of your day do you spend doing dollar productive activities, things that actually make you money, prospecting, listing, or showing a house? What percent of your day do you spend doing money-making activities? Somebody come tell me, 20%, 50%, 90%. 13%, 13%, Hiram says, thanks for being honest. That's probably true. Anybody else? 30%. Not enough. Carl. I don't know what it is, but it's not enough. Good numbers. 13%. Okay, so when you think about that, how many of you spend a lot of time every day away from your families? Like you're spending six to eight hours, 10 hours a day away from your families to do real estate. So... Your culture is that I'm leaving my family and they are believing that I'm out there doing things that are gonna help provide for them. But I'm spending less than 50% of my day actually doing any activities that generate revenue. And that culture is a culture that lacks productivity. And so if you would like to change your outcome, if you'd like to perform at a higher level, the difference between the average and exceptional is identifying the one thing that you focus on every day that will give you the greatest return on your time away from family. Here's my deal. I decided a long time ago that if I'm going to spend time away from my family, it better be worth it. Otherwise, go home. I think so much of the stuff that, our, that we have that screws up our country is the lack of focus on the family. And so they need their parents. They need their families. They need the people around them that love them, that can help develop them. And when we're not there to do that, they are raised by our school systems. And uh, after watching what's gone on with our highest school systems recently, it makes me shake my head and wonder if that's the best place that our children are being raised. So if it's going to be time spent away from the people you love, how about we make a decision today to make it worth it? So how would you, would anybody like to go through, we've got about 10 minutes. I'm going to give someone a little bit of private coaching who would like to have a little one-on-one with me. And I'm going to help you figure out what the one most important thing you focus on the rest of the year is. And as you go into 2024 and take everything else and remove the noise, and I'll show you how to do seven figure business. Anybody interested? I'm looking at all my people on video. Come on. Okay, William, you said, okay, Jason's hands up. Okay. Jason's here. Jason, you can come on in, man. Come off mute. All right, Jason. We're going to do a couple of things for you. Okay. Number one, do you have a goal for twenty twenty four? Do you have an income goal you've set? Well, let's set one. How much you want to make next year? You're on mute. Five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Okay. Do you know how many transactions that is for you? That's going to be. Uh. It would it would be slightly under 100 transactions. Slightly under 100 transactions. So let's just do 100 transactions, okay? 100 transactions. You make about five grand a transaction. What are you selling crack houses? No, our our me. Well, no, no. Th- that would have been our old number. So our median is going to be more like 250. Okay, so 250 to 300. So it's not going to be quite that. I mean, it's going to be more like 60, 65. Okay, well, okay, let's use that number. Let's use the number of 65. Sorry that I said that. <laughs> no no <laughs> we probably you have that was funny right <laughs> yeah, yeah i do like for like you can't even get a condo for <laughs> two fifty. like that's the dirt okay okay so 65 now how much of your business is buyers versus sellers uh it it, it varies back and forth but it it, it comes in really close to centered. 50 50 okay all right we're gonna yeah. stop okay jason i'm gonna do this yes. i'm gonna do this very very clearly with you okay If you want to make $500,000, you're going to have to do 100% of it with listings only. Okay. Okay. So we're going to focus on listings. You okay with that? We need 65 listings in 2014. So how many listing appointments do you have to go on in order to get a listing? I have no clue. Well, let's do the math. Okay. So when you go on a listing, do you usually get it? Yes. Okay. You got to stop going out with friends and family. You got to start finding some new people. So I don't want you to close 100%. I want you to close 50%. So two out of one out of two. Is that is that a fair enough number? Sure. Okay. So that means you have to go on 65 times two is what? You have to go on 130 listing presentations this year. 130. Does that sound like a big number? Yes, it does. I mean it's only 10 a month. So let's divide that by four weeks in a month. It's three a week. So here's the deal, Jason. I'm going to put five hundred thousand dollars in escrow, and we're going to put it in a in a in a in a in in deposit for you. And okay. at the end of the year, you're going to get all five hundred thousand of it, or you're going to get none of it. All you have to do is get three listing appointments a week. I see. How are you going to work? What are you uh, going to do you? Well, on? we would uh, focus on just getting those three appointments. That would be top priority of everything. Yeah. Okay. So. Anything else that detracts you from that, you're going to eliminate it from your life. You're going to divorce yourself from it because okay. it's not going to help you get your goal. So in order for you to make 500000 in 2024, you've got to get three appointments a week or you don't get paid next year. So you either get zero or you get 500000 That's how you need to focus on those three appointments. Like your life depends on it. Okay. Okay. Can you get three mm-hmm. appointments a week if your life depends on it? Certainly. Yeah, you'll knock doors, you'll work open houses, you'll do geographic farming, you'll buy leads, you'll do whatever it takes, okay? So you got to figure that out. Okay, what you're not allowed to do is put a buyer in your car. You put a buyer in your car, I'm going to lose my mind. Because a buyer is going to take 20 hours of your life away from looking for listings, okay? Buyers are kind okay. sucking animals. They will suck your life away. I hear the sucking sound right now. You put a buyer in your car, roll the windows down, and you hear me. That's your life being sucked away of 20 hours of driving people around. You are a listing machine. You eat rejection for breakfast. You are looking for three appointments a week. like when you. I don't know who does your hair, but you don't even get your hair done unless you've done, you know you don't get to do it. You don't get an updo. You don't get to get your mani-pedi. You don't get to have a massage. However you reward yourself at the end of the week, you don't get to do it unless you've got your three appointments. The way we measure a win is what? Three appointments. Got it. Okay, now, you do that, you're going to list 65 homes. For every every write these numbers down. For every listing you generate, one listing should equal 1.5 buy side transactions. That means you're going to do right. to five buy sides. You're not allowed to work with a buyer though. For every listing you generate, it creates six to eight leads per month. Every 25 leads we generate, we add a buyer's agent. This is the formula for how we build high performing teams. Okay. Okay. So if you, if you like your average streets, so let's say your average commission's around 9,000. Okay. Look, if you take 65, I'm just going to do the math for you on this. I need, okay, like, I need my better calculator. You can charge whatever you want. And we all know commission is negotiable, but so 65 transactions times $9,000. Is $585,000 in income. Now, I don't know if you know what I did to you, but I just doubled your goal because we're going to buy side transactions, which means we're going to need four buyers agents. So if you're listing like this, you're getting three listings a week. We need people. we need people that are doing what that are working the open houses that are knocking doors around them that are generating the leads and doing the systems. And I'll teach you how to do this. Okay, So you need four buyer's agents. In order to be a buyer's agent on one of our teams, you got to commit to 24 transactions a year. That's going to get your 95. Your buyer's agents are going to be on 40-60 splits for the first two deals they do in a month, 45-55 for three and four, and 50-55 plus. It's a formula. Just know that I have all this. You don't have to memorize it. So let me show you what your your income is. So you do 95 transactions at 9,000. Whoops, I'm going to do 9,000 times. That's another 855. You only get to keep 60% of that, which is an additional $513,000. Your buyer's agents all made an average of $100,000 each to be on your team, and you've changed their lives. They're homeowners. they're they're, They're able to take care of their families, and you've created and served over 170 families. You've changed people's lives by being better at the business. So by figuring out one thing, Jessica, you're looking at me like, is this guy nuts? Um, when you look at this and what you're focused on, if you focus on those three things, get your three listing appointments, you took your goal of 585 added 513 to it, so now you've done a million dollars in commission that you keep. How would that change your life? Dramatically. What would you do with the money? Probably buy a couple of houses and go on more out-of-town trips. Yeah, you'd invest more, so you'd create security and stability going forward, and you'd you'd vacation in a little bit of higher luxury? Yes. You go out and see Hiram. We got to go out to Hawaii. Okay. So so understanding and creating a culture of productivity only happens when you get clear on what it is you want to focus on and why. And by the way, Jason, um, buying some houses and traveling better is probably not your core motivating value. And I won't do this in front of everybody else. But if we were on a one-on-one conversation, I would dig a little bit deeper and I would find out what really drives you. And I think that it's not the money. I think that there's people in your life that you want to provide a better lifestyle for. I think that there's people you want to change their lives and help and serve. And when, when, and you'll do it for them, but you won't do it for yourself. And so if I can dig deep enough and I can find out that core motivating value, what really drives you every day, right. you, you'll do what you need to do to generate those three appointments. It's only three appointments a week. I mean, what are you gonna do the rest of the week? You can get that done Monday. Because when you get really good at it and you focus on the one thing, you become an expert in it. And you get really good at driving listing appointments until pretty soon, boom, you're a master. And now now you have to decide what you're gonna do with the rest of your day and your day becomes filled with business development and people development. It's developing great buyer's agents to really serve these customers. And it's not that I don't love buyers. It's just that I love other things more. And so I don't not want the buyers to be served. I'm just choosing to not let that be what I focus on. I'm the brain surgeon. I can't be the physical therapist. I can't be the receptionist. And I can't do billing. I have to focus on brain surgery if I'm going to make the kind of money that a brain surgeon makes. You are more talented, more skilled, and have more value than those that are performing at a higher level than you because you're not focusing on the one thing that matters the most. So I don't mean to, like, I I don't know if this is helping you all, but I hope that this, you get a little bit of a snapshot of what happens when you have someone who's skilled at understanding how business works at the next level and then helping you break down into the ridiculous tasks. When You get your new, when you get the RAMP program that I just gave all of you, The very first week is going through the Workman Success Business Plan. Do it immediately. Like go through the business plan. It's videos every day for like a week. Do the business plan. I teach you how to do it. That's the exact business plan we use with our private one-on-one clients. And for those of you that are beyond, like you're just ready, you just need a coach, just raise your hand and say, I want help. And somebody from my team will reach out to you and we'll call you. I mean, we will help you. We have great coaches that are just, they they do this. They don't coach because they need the money. Our coaches coach because they love the game and because we've changed their lives. A lady on my last call, this last call, her name is Brooke Signs out of North Carolina. She runs a seven-figure team in Michigan, a seven-figure team in North Carolina. She just opened a third team in Florida. And you know what she told me? This is a personal message from her after the webinar. She said, She says, I forgot to mention to you this, but in the last two years in real estate, for me, have been the best, as I've only sold eight or nine houses personally. How big of a win is that? She's running these big seven-figure businesses and she's a CEO and a young mom. Her youngest is getting her driver's license. Her oldest is getting her driver's license this year and she's focused on having, being being there and present for the kids that she's raising. This is just a really cool thing for me. So um, I encourage you as we go into the holiday season to not take your foot off the gas. Now's the time that you lean in when everybody else is pulling back and take their market share. We have an incredible opportunity right now. Um, I appreciate all of you being here and spending your time with me. Um, don't, Don't look at threats in the marketplace as a reason to be scared. Look at threats as opportunities to show how good you are. And let's lean in. Let's elevate the industry. Let's elevate each other. And let's have a great 2024 together. And I'll be here through the whole journey. I look forward to seeing you on the next call. Thanks, everybody.